You're listening to Alive and Powerful with Pastor Scott Morrison. Alive and Powerful is the radio ministry of Foothills Calvary, a fresh and growing fellowship in Lakewood, Colorado. We invite you to come and join us as we study the Word together, Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. We meet at 12344 West Alameda Parkway in Lakewood, just a few blocks west of Union and Alameda. For more information about Foothills Calvary, please visit our website at foothillscalvary.org. That's foothillscalvary.org. We hope you are blessed by today's message. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Well, we usually go through the Bible verse by verse and chapter by chapter, and I find that much easier than what we're doing right now. Um, the last four years, we've gone through the Gospel Book of John, and, and we've gone through Acts. Um, on Sunday nights, we've gone through Ezra and Esther. Um, and, and the Holy Spirit really did direct us to go to this study where we're heading to the, the Calvary Chapel Distinctives. And you can, as a reminder, you can get that book on our website. You can either get it through the bookstore or you can do the free version. There's a PDF of this book um, underneath About Us uh, on the webpage. And you can just read that for free and not have to buy anything. But really, as, as God is directing us this way, we see that we need to focus on what it looks like to build a healthy church. What does it look like to attend this church, a, a Calvary Chapel? And, and why are they even a, a, an entity? Why are they a denomination or a movement? Uh, what is it about them uh, that, that draws us into that fellowship? Uh, even what draws me into this fellowship? Um, a body of believers who have surrendered their lives to the Lord and that have a heart for the loss. So the question again I start us with this morning is, what do you believe? What do you believe? And why do you believe it to be truth? And adding to that, can you explain what you believe or can you defend it? And that's why we pause at times and we do breakouts like this, but, but knowing and understand that we always go back to and point to God's word I would also ask you, if somebody asked you what church you go to, first of all, could you remember the name of the church? We think that's funny, but I've had that happen. Oh, yeah, you're my pastor. Oh, am I? Do we know where we even attend? Do we know what that church believes? If somebody was to ask you, where do you go to church? And you're to say, you know, Foothills Calvary. And, and they say, well, what do you believe? Well, that's why we do this type of a study, so you can share. Well, this is what we believe. This is what we stand for. That's why we're going through the distinctives. And it's been interesting because I'm hearing a lot of feedback. Uh, these, these last couple weeks really have, it's harder. I'd rather do verse by verse. Can we just get to verse by verse? But, but God is doing something even in these. And even after the first service, the, the conversations that I had out in the foyer with different people and, and what God is stirring in their hearts and how God is, is moving through these messages, well, it's definitely the Holy Spirit moving in and through it. So knowing and understanding what we believe is important. There's some things that come up that I didn't even think were prepared for in the study. And I was remembering as I was putting this together, I can think of sitting there and, and I'm listening to Pastor Nate and he's preaching the word and, and I'm taking notes like crazy and we get done and my notes had nothing to do with what the message was about. But it was God's word and it was the Holy Spirit speaking to me where I was. He met me at that point of need. He used his word to do that. Two things for us to remember is it's good for us to have everyone to have a sense of understanding of the workings and the organization, the structure of church and why we teach the way we do, why we operate the way we do. And we have to, have to remember that everything in this book points to Scripture. Remember this, this book, the Calvary Chapel Distinctives, is a man-written book. It's not Holy Spirit-inspired like the Bible. So we set that aside. It is written by man, but it shows and shares the vision. It references everything back to Scripture, and it points us to the cross on a continuous basis. 
It brings a greater amount of confidence when we know as we look in God's word, it brings a confidence in knowing what we believe and why we believe it, that our faith in him will grow and then we're able to share our faith even more boldly because we truly understand it. And so far as we've studied the last couple of weeks, we've discussed our calling. We're first called to surrender to God and then in that calling to surrender to him, we're called to serve him. And then we talked about church, God's model for church based on Acts 2.42. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. And then church government based on the Old Testament model of Moses. As Moses ruled the people, he judged the people. He would hear from them. He would go to God, and he would come back, and, and he would rule according to what God said for each of their needs. But, but he needed assistance. He needed help. And that's where the Mosaic leadership model comes into place, and that's what Calvary Chapel follows. That's how Calvary chapels are set up. Chuck Smith in the book said, I believe this is God's model for church government. The pastor is ruled over by the Lord and recognized by the congregation as God's anointed instrument to lead the church with the board guiding and directing. The, the board is there to hold me accountable. We talked about that. The board is also there to help walk through vision and support for ministry. And in this, I see a pattern developing as we work through these studies. Uh, even before we started this study in the distinctives, uh, this, this book, the Calvary Chapel Distinctives, helps us focus on one of them. And, and that first one that really is what I heard and understood, as Chuck Smith would say, is simply teach the Word of God simply. Don't get caught up in all this other stuff. Just teach God's Word. Well, then, then we begin to grow a bit and learn and process, and then we see how that spilled over into worship. Simply worship God simply. That became the theme for the worship workshop to simply worship God. So then we simply respond to God's calling on our life. We simply organize the church according to Scripture. We simply spend time with brothers and sisters in the Lord. Uh, we simply break bread together as we'll do at the close of service today. Simply pray with and for each other. If we do these things and stay focused on these things, God will grow the church. He'll grow us individually and corporately. See, the problem is we bog things down with too much of our own theology and doctrine and questions and things that we really haven't gone to the Lord about, and we let that shift us and what it is we believe and why we believe it. Today, it's to simply be empowered with the Holy Spirit building the church God's way, which really is the title of our message this morning, Empowered by the Holy Spirit, Building the Church God's Way. And two scriptures I want you to, to think and to mark out, to highlight, to memorize, to study, to meditate on. It's going to be Acts 1.8 and Zechariah 4.6 and the last part of verse 6. To start with in Acts 1.8, you and I are going to be powerful witnesses for Jesus Christ. Acts 1.8 was the theme verse as we studied through the book of Acts. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in both Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and even the remotest part of the earth. And then how will the church be built? It's hand in hand with that. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. So we start with being empowered by the Holy Spirit. There's been a great deal of damage done by people operating outside of the directions and boundaries and guidelines that are in the Bible concerning the Holy Spirit. When emotions and feelings become the only thing that's remembered from a Sunday morning worship service, there's something wrong. I can't tell you how many times I had conversations with somebody throughout the week and, and that attend another church, and I asked them, you know, how was church? Oh, it was great. Oh, okay, what did you learn? Well, uh, I, I always hear an answer of, well, worship was amazing, and, oh, the pastor, he is so funny. We laughed so hard. It felt good. Well, great. What were the worship songs? What was the message about? What did God's words say to you? 
they can't recall. They don't remember. And I know that's the same for all of us. We kind of, we grab bits and pieces here and there of things and kind of put it together. And I can't remember what I taught on the week before sometimes. But there should be something within us that is spurring us on to go a little deeper, to know him and to understand, to know we come to church on a Sunday morning not just for good feelings. Not that it's bad to feel good. It's, it's been awesome this morning to, to be in fellowship and have conversations in the foyer and, and we had first service and we had worship and have conversations again with people in between services and man, it's good and there's purpose in that. But why are we here? to be in God's word and to be drawn into his presence. It's not just feeling good. That's when we come, as I said last week, we become a church that is a mile wide and an inch deep. It's important for us to understand the Holy Spirit's involvement in our eyes. And as I see this theme of, of simplifying come and uh, fold and, and into everything that we're doing, it's, it's removing those things that would hinder us, removing those things that, that bog us down in our faith and our walk with the Lord. And so in this today, simply be empowered with the Holy Spirit. Don't put your rules, don't put your understanding into it. Have faith. Read God's word. Study God's word. Meditate on God's word. And then pray. Pray that God would fill you and use you. And remember, Chuck Smith's background was Pentecostal. He was part of the Pentecostal movement, Foursquare Church. Yet he always felt like he didn't fit. He believed in the Holy Spirit. He believed in the gifts of the Spirit, but he was delusioned by the feelings and the emotions that were being manipulated. And as I've been studying this again, and I've read this before, I've read this book a couple different times and gone through it with other people, and I'm hearing and seeing and being remembered of why I came to Calvary Chapel because of those, those precepts that were set those values that were there. And the fact that I came from kind of that same background, I came from a charismatic and Pentecostal background that well, I felt like I never really fit into. It was a battle that I always had and I had to walk away because I, didn't, I wasn't able to fulfill that Pentecostal charismatic role that was expected of me. I, I felt guilty after getting off the platform at times. It work everybody up. Get them all excited, jumping up and down. Feelings and emotions. That's one of the first questions I had for Pastor Nate before we really decided we were going to be here is, is, well, where do you stand? What is your view on the Holy Spirit's involvement in our lives today? And we're about to unpack that answer. And, and the fact is that I agree that there is solid biblical backing for this position I believe there is indeed an empowering of the Holy Spirit that occurs in the life of the believer that's separate from the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that occurs at the time of salvation. The Apostle Paul even asked the Ephesians uh, if the Ephesians had received the Holy Spirit after they believed. See, Philip had gone to Samaria to preach the gospel and many believed and were baptized. Then when the church in Jerusalem had heard that the Samaritans of all people had believed and received the gospel message. They sent Peter and John to them. And we see it in Acts 8, 15 through 17. And they came down and they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They began laying hands on them, and they were, they were receiving the Holy Spirit. Again, an experience of the Holy Spirit that is separate and very distinct from salvation. When Peter addressed the crowd as he was teaching them at Pentecost, they, they were cut to heart. They didn't know what to do. And, and we see in Acts 2, 37 through 38, they said, now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what should we do? And Peter said to them, repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So as we see God's word, we see a threefold relationship with the Holy Spirit and the follower of Christ. 
In the Greek, we see three prepositions. Para, P-A-R-A, N, E-N, and epi, E-P-I. Para, N, and epi. Back when we were studying the Gospel of John, we saw the role of the Holy Spirit come into play in John 14, 16 through 17. It says, he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper that will be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not know him, see him, or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. So the Holy Spirit with you, para, walking alongside of you and I. And at the end of verse 17, in you, that Greek preposition, in, literally meaning he's going to dwell in you at that time of salvation. So before you and I accepted Christ, before we became a believer, the Holy Spirit is walking next to us. The Holy Spirit guiding us. The Holy Spirit is the one that that opens your eyes, that brings conviction, that opens your heart and the ability to receive and accept Christ, to repent and to believe. It's the Holy Spirit who gives us that understanding and the ability to accept Christ. Then at that point in you, we also believe that as soon as a person accepts Jesus Christ as Lord, it is in that moment that the Holy Spirit comes in, cleansing all sin, taking control and ruling over our life. And we've talked about that before. We don't see at that time of conversion, there's not a beam of light that comes down on the person and just kind of, now they're saved, they're full of the Holy Spirit. It's something that happens internally. It's not seen, but, but it's a change and a transformation that's happening within them. It's with this in remind, that, that we keep in mind and remember the Apostle Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, as he says, or do you not know your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. You see, your body and my body are a temple of the Holy Spirit. He also told the Ephesians, and I like the, the New Living Translation in this, do not be drunk with wine because it'll ruin your life. Amen? Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine. It'll ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what we all need. Every believer is thus filled with the Holy Spirit. And according to Scripture, guided by and continually filled with the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that empowers us to overcome sin and to battle effectively against the flesh. We quote Galatians 5.22 all the time, the fruit of the Spirit. We like that one. But earlier in that same passage, in verse 16, it says, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. And if you read past that, verse 16, you'll see all those things of the flesh that we engage in if we're in the flesh. And all those things will bring death and destruction. But as the Holy Spirit engages in our lives, as we surrender to him, then all of a sudden we're gonna have love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control part of our lives. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us the power to overcome our fallen and sinful nature. The Holy Spirit that transforms us. The Holy Spirit that conforms us to the image of Christ. That's when we've seen the Holy Spirit walk alongside of us, drawing us to the Father, and then cleansing us and and empowering us. And now we see epi, the come upon us, the Holy Spirit coming upon us. Back in Acts 1.8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon us. On you, and then we'll be witnesses to him. Notice it doesn't say that the Holy Spirit will come upon you so you can conjure up a big Holy Spirit power ball and throw it at the congregation. Or it doesn't say that the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you so you can fall on the ground and bark like a dog or laugh uncontrollably and flop around causing a scene. It's not what it says. 
It says that the Holy Spirit will come upon you or overflow you. And that overflowing aspect is when the Holy Spirit fills you and flows out of you as you respond to God's calling on your life and individual opportunities that he gives you. Remember, God is a God of order. He doesn't do things chaotically, and he doesn't do things against what his word says. You and I, as a believer, are a vessel, a witness of what God has done in your life and in others' lives, a witness into what God is currently doing, a witness into what God's word says and how it impacts our lives. And it's the Holy Spirit that empowers us to be that effective witness. And I've told this story before, but when I first um, became obedient to the Lord and Pam and I reconciled and I was following him and going back to that calling that he had originally given me to go into ministry, I started to go to school at Red Rocks Community College to get some prerequisite classes out of the way before I headed off to Bible school. And in that, I'm a 32-year-old in a place full of 18-year-olds. But everywhere I went in the commons, I would always have my Bible open and out on the table as I was studying and and working on on classwork. And pretty soon we had prayer meetings happening in different places, different halls on different days with different kids. Um, Had different conversations with people sharing the gospel message. And God just opened up door after door through that process. And one day I'm sharing the gospel message. I'm going down the Romans road with the young man. And I'm just sharing with him and we're having a great conversation and a girl comes up kind of out of my peripheral vision, screaming, yelling, cussing, cursing God, cursing me, just vile. And immediately just that presence and power of the Holy Spirit, I turned and calmly just said, well, I'm sorry that you feel that way. The reason you do is, and I went down this list and she just began to weep and then she ran away. So she was gone. So then I just turned back to the young man and I said, okay, well, back in Romans. (laughs) And he's like, no, 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 no. What just happened? And I said, well, it's the Holy Spirit. We'll take care of things. You know, as we surrender our life to the Lord, the Holy Spirit comes in and and he empowers us and enables us to, to handle things. And he goes, well, do you know her? And I said, no, I don't know her. Never seen her before. Don't have her in any of the classes. He goes, but I do know her, and I've known her since elementary school. And everything you just told her is what is going on in her life and why she's so angry. How did you do that? And so then we start talking about the Holy Spirit instead of (laughs) the Romans road. God will empower you and equip you at every moment that you need. We have to have confidence in that. But in that, you've got to prepare. You've got to be in the work. You've got to make sure that you're, you're right with God and you're doing the right thing so you can then be equipped and be that Holy Spirit-empowered ambassador that, that we talked about as we studied the book of Acts. You can be an effective witness. That's the ideal plan that God has for each of us, that our lives would be an instrument that he can use to spread the hope of the gospel message through our families, through our community, around the world, that's the plan. Jesus even engaged the disciples in regard to the Holy Spirit in John 20, verse 22, and he said, when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. See, at this point in Jesus' ministry, the disciples were definitely believers. They were following him. But Jesus had not been regenerated. He had not died for their sins yet. But here, Jesus breathes on them similar to Genesis 2-7, as God breathed life into Adam's nostrils, causing him to be a living soul. And the caution here is this, again, as we talk about the Holy Spirit, it's been abused so much, and I've seen this happen in charismatic circles, and, and like this verse is their permission to breathe on people, expecting them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, You do not need some preacher's bad breath on you to get the Holy Spirit. You ask Jesus, will you fill me with your Holy Spirit? You don't have to beat a drum. You don't have to jump up and down. You don't have to go in circles. Jesus, will you fill me with your Holy Spirit? 
Jesus is the one who sends the Holy Spirit, not man. We simply pray and ask. Remember before Jesus left this planet in the first part of Acts 1, before he went to heaven, Jesus told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit. God would indeed give them what he had promised. You will receive power, dunamis, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And the disciples needed this overflowing power so they could effectively serve the Lord. Guys, if we're trying to serve the Lord, it's a good thing. If we're trying to do it without the Holy Spirit, it's a hard thing. Why not just ask for the Holy Spirit to empower you, strengthen you, to guide you, to direct you? You and I have access to that same power, and we need it now more than ever. And why? What's the reasoning? Corson puts it this way. He says, the steam in the locomotive does not exist to toot the whistle. Its purpose is to power the engine and to move the train. So too the empowering of the Spirit is not given for people to feel Holy Ghost goosebumps or emotional highs or warm fuzzy feelings. The Spirit comes upon people in order that the message of the gospel might be moved throughout the world. That's the true purpose of the Holy Spirit. And later, we'll get to talk as we go through the book, we'll get to talk about the gifts of the Spirit and how we use those and how they're still working today. But in this, Jesus didn't say, you will witness. What he said was, you will be witnesses. That things will naturally happen in a supernatural way in and through you that will witness my reality being filled with and led by the Holy Spirit will bring opportunities to witness that you never dreamed of. Even in the preparation for the memorial service that we did Thursday night, and going through Starbucks, getting iced tea, needed more caffeine, and it took him forever to make my iced tea. So I'm sitting at the window, and the barista is being very sweet, and she's asking me questions. What are you doing today? Oh, well, let me tell you, we're getting ready for a funeral. Oh, man, death is hard. Yeah, it is, unless you have faith in God. And we spent the next 60 seconds just talking about faith in God and heaven and eternity. And then my drink came and like, but I'm not done. There's more. And I just prayed and let it go. And okay, God, you planted some seeds. What are you gonna do with it? Guys, everywhere we go, we have that opportunity. Every single one of us. Every person we talk to, we're at the restaurant and, and just, you know, hey, we're about to pray for our meal. Would you like us to pray for you? That's how I get to know Katie from Chili's. Pretty soon she's sitting in our booth with us. And then when we'd come in, she'd come in and sit down with us. Take those opportunities that God gives you and watch. You will do things you never dreamed of. Billy Sunday used to say, the Lord has anointed me to preach to the guttermost parts of the earth. What made Billy Sunday tick? What drove a, a D.L. Moody or R.A. Torrey or a Charles Finney? These great men of God that proclaimed the gospel. Read their biographies. You're going to see that without exception, each of these men had an undeniable encounter with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had filled them and had changed them in such a way that their dynamics changed and they proclaimed the gospel boldly. An encounter with the Holy Spirit will change you. It'll change how you approach life. Your perspective is different. Your eyes are a little bit clearer. In John 7, Jesus says, Now in the last day of the great feast, Jesus stood and he cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from the innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And then John gives the commentary on what Jesus said in the very next verse, in verse 39. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not given yet, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So, so what would the, the coming upon of the Holy Spirit look like coming out of a believer? A river of water. The Greek says a, a flood or a torrent of water. 
If you've ever seen, when we get those big rainstorms, the backside, the way they did the gutters, they just like the chute. And there's a torrent of water coming out of the back of the building, right? That, that's that picture, the, the fire hose, right? You ever try to get a drink out of a fire hose? A torrent of water. A river of water. I pray often, God, would you just feel me to so, so overflowing with your Holy Spirit that even as I walk into a room where there's tension and where there's a, a clashing of people and, and, and there's anxiety and fear and anger, God, let me be so full of your Holy Spirit that I walk in there and that just gushes out of me and changes the atmosphere of the room. I, I watched that happen in a hospital room when we went to see Mike. I watched the anxiety in that room and at first it was tense and, and all of a sudden it just went poof and we prayed and we talked. I watched it happen a little bit on Thursday night at the memorial service. The presence of God. Guys, that's what we're supposed to be. We're the ones that are supposed to change the atmosphere of the room because of how we have surrendered our lives to the Lord and how the Holy Spirit is full in us in such a way that it affects everybody else around us. People should know and see and understand that you're a spirit-filled believer. You shouldn't have to tell them. They should see it right away. It's through Jesus and the Holy Spirit that our spiritual thirst is quenched. And it's an amazing thing to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but it's even a greater thing to have the Holy Spirit flowing through you in such a way that others are impacted. And this is not just for pastors. This is for every single believer it's not just for a, a worship leader. It's not for a, a deacon or an elder. It is for every single Christian, each of us. Jesus made us three promises about the Holy Spirit, and all three promises are still in play today and should be actively visible to others. So the question, a simple question for you, really, about the Holy Spirit, do you have it? Hi, this is Pastor Scott from Foothills Calvary. I hope the Lord is speaking to you through today's message. I wanted to just take a second and invite you to join us for worship services at Foothills Calvary. We meet Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. at 12344 West Alameda Parkway in Lakewood, just a few blocks west of Union and Alameda. If you'd like more information on Foothills Calvary, please visit our website at foothillscalvary.org. Now let's get back to our study. I pray that the Lord will continue to speak to you by his Holy Spirit. Do you have that overflowing? Do you have that infilling of the Holy Spirit in your life? If not, have you asked? Or maybe you have had that, that infilling and overflowing of the Holy Spirit, but you haven't asked for it again because like, well, I got that, good to go. Guys, you leak. We leak every day. God, I, I pray every day, Lord, fill me up with your Holy Spirit for whatever you got for today. Let me be ready. Fill me up with your Spirit. The Holy Spirit will be with you before salvation. The Holy Spirit will come into you at the point of salvation. And the Holy Spirit will come upon you and fill you continually as you walk your faith out, as you mature as a Christian. That's an easy lead into building the church God's way. Zechariah 4, 6, the last part of that verse, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. One of the things that you'll notice about Calvary chapels and we talk about church is, is kind of that relaxed and casual style. And, and when I first started, you know, coming to, to Calvary Belmar at the time, I just noticed that anybody who was kind of a leader had a plaid shirt on. So I thought that was kind of the uniform, okay? You could wear jeans, that's cool, because the last church I was on staff at was very traditional. Every Sunday, suit and tie. Thank you, Jesus, for Calvary Chapel. And I'm saying, okay, plaid, plaid's the thing you do, that's the uniform. But then I found out, really, it's supposed to be Hawaiian print shirts. And so I, that's how you differentiate the true Calvary Chapels? I'm not sure. But there's a casual style 
that comes into play, but you're also gonna notice that there's not gonna be a bunch of, of spiritual hype, um, even in worship and, and especially in the teaching. There's something different. I'm not, you're not gonna catch me coming up here, pounding on the pulpit and shouting, getting guys to do the same thing. Worship's not gonna be people who showboat. You know, what did I say last week? It's not gonna be a church of big screens, skinny jeans, and fog machines. I mean, we do kind of have a big screen, but we don't use it except for lyrics and scripture. Right, it's not gonna be a show. What, do we, what can we do to simply worship God? What can we do to simply be in God's word? To simply teach and, and believe and understand that, that it's the Holy Spirit that's gonna do his work through the scriptures that he has brought us for this Sunday morning. I pray, I study, I prepare to the best of my ability and I lay it down before the Lord. I come up here when I approach the platform every Sunday. I come up here in fear and trembling. I don't want to do anything that's going to besmirch God's name. I don't want to do anything that would cause any of you to stumble or fall or, or walk away from God. I even pray as I'm coming up the hill. It takes me eight minutes if I hit the stoplight on Union. And I'm praying from as soon as I start the truck all the way up here. God, I humble myself before you. I surrender it all to you. I ask for forgiveness, Lord, for whatever, thoughts, anything that's going on. I ask for forgiveness. I ask, God, that, that you would use me this morning. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Let me be ready. Lord, I pray that you would protect me from myself, protect me from others, protect others from me. God, that there would be no harm. God, that your word would be heard and that you would change lives. Oh, and God, if I'm going to get on that platform and I'm going to cause harm, take me out. I don't want to be there. Take me out. We have to make sure we have the proper perspective. If God is not here, if the Holy Spirit is not involved in what we're doing from this platform or from this church as a ministry, I don't want to be here. It's got to be God. It's not about a man. It's his church. He'll build it. We simply need to be faithful and engage in our relationship with him. I'm not going to get caught up in the hypes and the, the feelings and the emotions and looking for some scheme to manipulate situations or to manipulate people. Even as people leave the church, for whatever reason they leave, I'm not going to be at the door trying to block them in and say, no, no, don't go. We'll adjust some things just for you, and, and we'll give you this title or that title, or we'll give you this authority. No. What is it that God is doing, and what does God have for us? And let's stay focused on that. We all need to pray that God will use us that God will develop us with a, a servant's heart that we can all say, Lord, how may I serve you? And just be ready. Because <laughs> I guarantee when you start praying that in earnest, he's gonna stretch you. God, how may I serve you? As we grow, it's, it's all in God's hands. And God brought us up the hill here into this space in the middle of a pandemic and those words echo in my heart that, that, he, that just in my prayer time and meditation time is get ready for what I'm about to do. And in that, we've got to rely on him. We rely on his timing. We rely on his provision. He will build the church. As I said last week when I said, well, God really stopped me. He's like, quit counting. You were counting for a reason. Now we don't need to count anymore. Stop. I will bring those who need to be here, those who need salvation, those who need healing, I will bring them. You just be obedient. And that's for all of us. He will build the church. Our church, even though it's a Calvary Chapel, it's going to have its own personality. We're not going to look like another Calvary Chapel. We're not going to look like Pastor Cody's or Pastor Mike's or Pastor Ed. Or We are who God has created us to be. Core values, doctrine and beliefs and theology, same personality different, right? There have been times that I've panicked a bit and I've shared with you guys about that. We want to be honoring to God. We want to do the wise thing. 
sometimes we struggle. I struggle. How are we going to do this? What if I burn it down? (laughs) What if people don't come back from COVID? What if the economy collapses? What if the government loses the rest of its marbles? What if they take our freedom away? What if? What if? Well, Zechariah 4.6 is what if, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. By God's spirit, he will build the church. And the Lord then took me directly to Isaiah 43.19. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I'll even make a roadway in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And that's awesome. We look at that and we're like, man, God's going to make the road. We just got to kind of cruise down it. God's going to make the rivers. going to be refreshing. Do you ever see how much work it takes to make a road? Right? They bring in the engineers. They get the, the bulldozer. And then there's a boulder in the way and they blow it up. And, and when the road's done, it's nice. It's to know and understand that God is doing a new thing and that it takes work. There's a process. Yes, there will be refreshing. Yes, there will be the ability for us to travel down that road. But it's going to take some work. But he's with us every step of the way. So in that, I don't, now let me scratch that. We, we don't have to fear. God is in control. Something good for us to remember is when we panic, he's so good to gently let us know, I got this. It's going to be okay. Keep your eyes on me. This is my church. I'll take care of it. This is my body. I've got it. I own this. And remembering that, remember that God is in control, that this is his church, helps us to relax, or we can just do our part. Can you just do your part? Okay, Lord, what is my part? Help me to do that. Help me to engage in the ministry that you've given me. John 21, 15 through 17 says, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. He said to them a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter is grieved because he had said to him a third time, do you love me? He said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He didn't say, Jesus didn't say to Peter, okay, do you love me, Peter? Okay, you do. Okay, go build this structure. Go build the church. What he said was, feed, tend, take care of my sheep. That's the job of a pastor. A job of the pastor is to love you, take care of you, watch over you, feed you, tend you, trusting that the Lord will build the church and he'll add to that church those who should be saved. So that frees us up a little bit. God, you're in control. All right, here's my job, what I'm supposed to do. Now we look for each of our jobs. God, what is it you have for me to do in your church? as a part of your body. Our job together is to maintain what God has given us to do. That's where we work together. That's where we make sure that we're not building a whitewashed tomb, something that just really looks good on the outside, but inside is rotting and dead. What we build here as a body has eternity in mind and is built on what Jesus did on the cross. As we see what's going on in the world around us, we see what other churches around us are doing, it would be easy to slide into what man says is important and to not take on the things that, that are not, or, or for us to take on things that are not what God wants us to do. I've removed some of our affiliations as of late <laughs> as a church because of the direction they were going in their theology and their doctrine and what they're following within the world and we're not going to be part of that. And I've already told you we're not doing the whole BLM, LGBTQ, 
A, B, C, D, E, whatever else we want to do. We're not doing that stuff. We're staying focused on God's Word. And, and God's Word will address every single issue there is in, in our world. Every single thing that's going on in your life is in God's Word. If we do those things, then as men, we have to strive to maintain those things. But if God is building the church as, and, and we move as he directs us, then we simply work within our giftings, our callings, and, and we accomplish all that God wants us to accomplish individually and corporately. And that's a key part of that prayer when we pray before the message of, of Lord, speak to me, speak to us as a church, let there be unity, let us hear your voice. There's a reason behind that because we're effective as we work together as brothers and sisters, as we're a body working together in a healthy way. If God has built it, we just keep doing what we're supposed to be doing and we're not gonna get burned out. Anybody ever get burned out? (laughs) You know why you got burned out? Because you were doing more than you were supposed to. Do what God has called you to do. He will empower you to do so and you keep going. There's times I get tired last two weeks especially man I've been tired it's been busy I'm not burned out God's got this I just keep walking that's how we know that God is behind it all because we're working in his will there are many churches and ministries and originally I had named a few of them but I deleted that there's a lot of them in this in this nation and really in the world they've created a business not a ministry they have to perform at a certain level in what they do in order to keep the revenue coming in and they've created this ministry machine that requires them to act and react in certain ways that really are not biblical and a lot of them are anti-biblical and so we've got to make sure that we stay on point with what it is we're supposed to do. If they don't make enough money, if when COVID hit, a lot of those big churches really struggled because they had no revenue and no income and no support. We have to be careful that, that we don't start putting stargates to heaven on our platforms and um, grab a hold of barking and laughing in the spirit and gold dust falling from ceilings. It's a bunch of hype. It's there to stir emotion and to empty your pocketbook, not glorify God. Within us as a church, there's a Holy Spirit-driven balance that we've gotta be prayerfully engaged in. That's why I tell you how important prayer is. The Holy Spirit led us up here to Green Mountain and it was so we would have a space where we could increase in ministry and it was a step in faith. In that though is for us to be a good steward and to make disciples and, and to make sure that we're setting things up that the Holy Spirit moves and works in and through people's lives. God will faithfully do his part. Will you faithfully do yours? Chuck Smith said it's the word of God that we trust in, that we teach, that we rely on. It's inexhaustible. There is no burnout with it. It just keeps going on and on and on. Think about that. Every time you read God's word, maybe you've read through the Bible several times and you get back to this one verse and all of a sudden it just really shines out and you're like, wow, did you see what that said? God said this here, but ah, man, I know I've read this, but I didn't read that. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you through that verse. That was one of my mentors. Where You'd hear him. He'd read the Bible 100, 200 times through. He planted churches for years and he'd, I'd sit down at lunch with him, and he'd be like, oh, Scott, look, in Psalms, and it says blah, 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 and it's just like animated, and like, you know, I'm like, man, I want to be like that. <laughs> so excited that God's word is alive and well. It's powerful. Take a day at a time and be present in God's word. Simply learn and grow, and then in your opportunity, in that, in that household or, or your workplace, simply begin to teach the word of God as well because you can do that too. You have the ability as the Holy Spirit leads. Each household that's represented here, simply study and teach the word of God in your setting. And there's always people who ask us, and and there always will be, how are you going to stay relevant? And the people asking how to get younger generations engaged, and what strategy do you have, and how are we going to measure success? 
how are we gonna how are we gonna do this and grow and and really that's that conviction of you know what we're not counting we're we're focusing on what god says and what his word says and how do we measure success well we may not be able to measure it until we're in heaven and we see the salvations that are there and we see the marriages that are restored and and we see the lives that were changed because of your obedience to god the seeds that even you planted we may not know some of it will get to see the fruit but the majority of it won't be until we get to heaven we're going to stay focused on god's word we're going to to know and understand god's word is multicultural and it's multi-generational and that'll be my approach until the day i take my last breath or they take me off the platform in chains we're going to stay focused on god's word the word of god is alive and it is genuinely powerful and it was interesting in, in first service as we were in worship, and I didn't have this scripture in here. Um, it's a scripture that we use for the radio program, and it's Hebrews 4, verse 12. It says, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joint and marrow, able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Guys, God's word penetrates. I know somebody in first service, man, God just rocked them to the core. God, God took the sword of the word, the sword of the spirit, and sliced in there. And it was uncomfortable. But God opened it up, and now healing begins. The word of God is alive, and it is powerful. Building the church God's way requires all of us to stay engaged causes a, a, keeping a biblical perspective in things. We have to strengthen our first love for Christ. Guys, if you've kind of lost that first love and you've gotten a little, well, I'm saved. But we need that, that first love where we're engaging in our relationship with him, strengthening it, constantly asking the Holy Spirit to fill us, to use us, to help us make an impact for his glory and for his honor. I mean it every Sunday when I say, may God be glorified in our faith, be seen in everything we do. There's a reality in that. May it truly be that God is glorified. It's not a cliche. It's what we're to do and how we're to live. So as I close, are you truly studying God's word? That's the challenge. Are you developing your faith? Are you maturing in your relationship with Christ? I'm hearing every week from somebody, well, I didn't know the Bible said that, or I didn't know that's what we believed. Are you asking the questions? That's why we study what, that's why we teach God's word and why we study God's word. That's why we have small group Bible studies. And so we can go deeper and we can learn and we can grow. Have you received the infilling of the Holy Spirit? Ask for it. He'll fill you. Or maybe you have been filled with the Holy Spirit, but, but ask him to refill you and ask him every day to do it again. And once you're filled, are you pouring out what God has poured into you to make an impact in others? Do you understand that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Are you treating it as such? What are you eating? What are you drinking? What are you watching? What are you listening to? What are you letting into this temple of the Holy Spirit? Is it glorifying God? Is it honoring the Holy Spirit? Do you have a healthy understanding of the Holy Spirit's involvement in our lives? Do you understand that, that God will build his church and, and you're a valuable part of it? Every single person is valuable to his church. He is indeed doing a, a new work in your life. He's doing a new work in our church. I, I see it every day. I, I see it every week. Are you ready to be part of that? Are you ready to engage as a spirit-filled believer? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you love us and that you help us to study your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit 
that guides us and directs us, that fills us. I'm asking, Lord, that you develop our faith, that you help us to mature as Christians, that you help us to engage with other believers. Lord, I pray that you help us be ready to grow with our eyes and our hearts fixed on you. God, for, the, for those that have not been filled with the Holy Spirit this morning, would you stir in their hearts to ask you? And Lord, would you simply fill them? Would you empower them? God, those who that, that, that are here this morning that need to be refilled, Lord, would you fill them to overflowing as well? That they can make an impact for your glory and to bring you honor. Father, I pray that you would help each of us to remember that our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And we should be very, very careful about what we do so we can honor you. Help us to remember that we can rely on the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. And I thank you, Lord, that you will build your church. And I truly do ask that you help us to do our part. That we see and know and understand that you're doing a new thing, a new work in, in each of our lives and in, in us as a church as a whole. And I thank you for that, Father. I pray that we're ready to do our part as you direct each of us. As we talk about the Holy Spirit this morning, the Holy Spirit is what brings that transformation process in and through our lives. Those who have never surrendered their life to the Lord, the Holy Spirit is walking alongside them now, drawing them. The whole gospel message and the influence of the Holy Spirit, it's all about restoration. It's a restorative process. We talk about it every Sunday. And I ask you, are you interested in restoring your relationship with God? that relationship that was broken because of sin in the garden. That whole process, the whole salvation process and, and what we're getting ready to celebrate even in communion, it, 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 just because we have sin doesn't mean he wants to kick us to the curb. He wants to restore us in relationship to him. That's the purpose. That is what we do as a ministry. It's here, we're here to help restore men and women to their God-given potential. And then they can share the hope that they have in Christ because they've heard the hope that we have in Christ. And some of you this morning, listening to this message, you may not have a relationship with God. You're fearful, you don't have peace, you've lost hope. And you can take care of that today. Everything we talk about points to Jesus and restoration, bringing hope and peace to those who are hurting. God's word says, there are none righteous, not even one, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of that sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. He is the only way to heaven. The only way. The important part here is if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God saved him from the dead, you will be saved. You, you can be forgiven. You can ask Christ to be Lord of your life. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm gonna ask if that's you. If you would say, Scott, I need the hope of salvation, I'm going to ask you to, I'm going to ask you to simply slip up your hand if you're in this room. I need a relationship with Jesus. Amen. Amen. And if you listen here online, it's the same thing for you. This is an opportunity for you. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to pray this with me. Say, dear Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. 
and I believe you're alive today. I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me. Come into my life today and be Lord of my life. I will follow you the rest of my days. Thank you for the hope that I now have. Fill me with your Holy Spirit that I can be a witness, that I can share the hope that I have now with others. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer in this room, I'd love to chat with you after worship. If you prayed online, just shoot me an email and I'll reach out to you as well. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. Not here by accident. This has been Alive and Powerful with Pastor Scott Morrison. We hope you were blessed by today's message. Alive and Powerful is the radio ministry of Foothills Calvary, a fresh and growing fellowship in Lakewood, Colorado. We invite you to come and join us as we study the Word together, Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. We meet at 12344 West Alameda Parkway in Lakewood, just a few blocks west of Union and Alameda. For more information about Foothills Calvary, please visit our website at foothillscalvary.org. That's foothillscalvary.org.